0: and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, We're going to get to this issue of the affidavit soon. I've printed out about 55 pages that have been released, and I'm going through it, and we're going to talk about what the FBI was looking for, what gave them the the authorization, or what the judges decide was authorization to do what they've done, and whether or not it rises to the level of being necessary for what happened. I'm not a lawyer. I'm going to look through it. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little while. Wow. Did you hear this comes up at 1120? I want to go back to a couple of different things kind of mixed into one just listening to the newscast and uh, uh, you know shocked to hear about a fourth grader that brought a loaded weapon to to school and uh, uh, they said it was it was weapon it was loaded but not chambered and all of you that own pistols understand a revolver is got you know all the the rounds in a in the cylinder and all you have to do is cock it and fire the gun and it shoots but with a with a pistol um, you load the magazine into the pistol and you have to chamber the first round which means you have to rock that slide back to chamber that first round Round. So they were saying that the gun was loaded, it had a magazine full a full maybe not a full magazine, but it had bullets in the magazine had rounds in the m- magazine, but none in the chamber ready to be fired. Not that that makes a difference shouldn 't have been on campus to begin with, but it isn 't it fascinating and i 'm not calling out the media. this is a, an important story to be reported, but um, I just had a friend of mine send me a text that clarified and was I just wanted to say it because it was such a concise point, which is. Kids that bring guns to school or turn guns on other people make headlines. Kids that do harm to themselves don't. And, and I think that is such a salient point to be made that the emotional well-being of children, how many times Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, go all the way back to Columbine High School, um, these other school shootings that involve students where they are active shooters on their own campus and they're acting out. And unfortunately, injuring and killing innocent people. But what about when they act out toward themselves? That's the issue here: um, the emotional well-being of students. And and you know you can't blame it all on COVID. Although I think that that surely um, exacerbated the problem; it made it so much worse. The isolation that comes with that. And I've been pretty honest about you know the isolation. I live alone. So when there were shutdowns and I couldn't go out to restaurants and I couldn't do those things, there were times when the walls closed in on you, man. And I felt, I, I wouldn't say I was feeling depression. I didn't feel depressed, but there was sadness. There is loneliness. There is, there are, and I'm, you know, in my fifties and supposed to be well adjusted. I don't know that anybody that knows me would call me well adjusted, but I'm supposed to be well adjusted. And it was, it bothered me. And I've got a good social circle and, and good friends and a good network of people, um, So imagine a young person that's already feeling isolated, a young person that's already got some things going on, the sadness that comes with growing up and sometimes in the emotions and the hormonal changes, and then you pile into that social media and that world that doesn't really exist. That world does not exist. There is no, Twitter is not a place. Neither is Facebook, neither is Instagram, neither is TikTok, none of those, none of Snapchat. They are not real places. There's a reason why you can, there's a reason why I can filter a picture and make me look like Brad Pitt. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just not a real place. You show the world what you want them to see about you or how you they you want them to see you instead of people getting to really see who you are. So here we have a situation, and I don't know the reasons why this fourth grader would bring a loaded gun to school and how a fourth grader gets their hands on a loaded gun. I'm not sure how that happens. Um, but when a student lashes out at others, it makes headlines. When they lash out at themselves, it doesn't. And it doesn't mean it's any less sad. There may be less people injured, physically injured, but it alters the lives of everyone around them. Um, You know, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, my brother's best friend took his life. And um, even talking about it now, it takes me to a really dark place emotionally. It was such a sad time in our family. It was such a shocking occurrence. We didn't, nobody saw this coming. This was a well-adjusted, friendly, popular athlete that was going to college and had went school clothes shopping and loaded up everything he needed for the next trip to go to the next chapter of his life and took his life in the middle of the night. And nobody knows why. Um, To this day, I I don't have any – I never had an inclination that this kid ever had anything but happy thoughts. And um, you never forget it. But now we compile onto all of this what kids are going through, the emotions that kids are feeling. And the isolation that they felt because of COVID, and then the natural isolation you get because everything is on social media. You know, um, uh, my my nieces and my nephew. My nephew is in high, freshman in high school, and uh, both of my nieces have graduated, and but my nephew is a typical ninth grader. He is, loves sports. He's a great basketball player. He's a, he's a superstar athlete like his father is, or was, and, um, just a good kid, funny and friendly and everything else, but lives as a gamer as well. His friends, they hang out on video games. They play video games. They play you know all the basketball and football games and all the other stuff online, and they talk to each other online. And there is so much of what happens that happens on their phone. It happens. The interaction is not interpersonal. Um, But what's great about him is he he is very social, and his friends hang out, and they go to games, and they play together, and they play basketball on the basketball team, the high school basketball team together. So he has a social circle. But for so many people, they're social. Social circle is whatever that made up world is on social media. And then when it comes crashing down, when the world starts criticizing you, I'll be honest, I- I'm shocked at times at how ugly people can be on social media, even toward me. The-, the good thing about it is at 55 years old, I don't know you. I don't care what you think about me, not in a negative, hateful way, but in the way of if you want to say horrible things about me, you don't have no idea who I am. And I'm in a place in my life with a social circle around me and everything else that I can handle being inundated by people that are saying things about me that aren't even close to being true like I don't know where they get them the perception of what they heard me say while they were driving in their car for five minutes has made them believe horrible things about me that they express on social media I honestly can look at that and laugh it off I, it doesn't bother me in the, in the least but if you live in a world where those opinions are your world as much as your friends are your world you know when, if you went to high school and we were in the 80s when if you went to high school every day and everybody hated you You couldn't walk in the lunchroom. You had to sit by yourself. People called you names. You felt threatened all the time. It would mess you up as a kid. It would mess with your head. And a lot of these kids live in this virtual world. And then because they don't have to interact with people personally, because they can be whoever they want to be online, you can still maintain happiness or defiance or anything else and be okay until you're not. And I just thought it was an interesting juxtaposition. Here's a story in the media that didn't get a whole lot of coverage about a, another high school kid in Chandler taking their life. And this isn't a knock on Chandler. It happens everywhere that, that young people are finding it a better option. And, you know, the easy thing to say, and it's a true statement, is it is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. But you can't say that to someone's in the middle of it. And you've got these young people that are snuffing out their entire life because they are so depressed they can't see better days ahead. And most of us would say to those kids, man, hang in there, you know, talk to me, talk to someone, you know, I promise you, you're going to get through this and this is going to get behind you and you're going to lead a good life. But unless you're able to make that intervention, that world closes in on them. And we never hear those stories, or at least they don't get the big publicity. But you get some kid and I'm not saying that this kid went to school to be an active shooter in a school situation. But when a kid acts out at the people around them, that makes news. And I'm saying the emotional disconnect is the emotional disconnect. Sometimes that rage is pointed inward and sometimes that rage is pointed outward. And we as adults should be a part of the solution to that. We should be trying to figure out how we get these kids through those periods of time where their emotions race more than their intellect can handle. And I just think it's something we better focus on. Coming up in a minute, we uh, get you caught up on all the biggest news stories of the day. It's called Did You Hear This? We'll do it coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up on the biggest headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories.
1: Federal Chairman Jerome Powell spoke at Jackson Hole today and addressed how he wants to lower inflation.
0: We are moving our policy stance purposefully to a level that will be sufficiently restrictive to return inflation to 2 percent.
1: Do you think this will work?
0: I think that we've done we started too late so I think it's going to take bigger efforts than it would have if they had done it earlier but that's hindsight. I think it can work. The balance is going to be how quickly can they get inflation down without driving us into a recession that is so bad that we start to lose jobs because what they are trying to do is slow down the the exchange of goods and services if they can slow it down without stopping it then yeah but it's going to take some time more time than it should but it always will work it's just how bad does it have to get before we get there
1: the department of justice released the mar-a-lago affidavit today but how much information did the general public get the affidavit is heavily redacted large portions are blacked out to protect witnesses And where the investigation is headed. But a newly released document with the affidavit makes clear that the investigation is ongoing and active. Does the nature of the retracted affidavit concern you?
0: Yeah, and it does. When I'm looking at what's happening here, and I'm looking at the, uh, the referral from the National Archives, and uh, what they're talking about is the need to have these things. And I've reached out to some people, and I'm starting to ask questions of people that know this. What is normal for a president to have? I think all of us would say a technicality would be that a president can declassify anything that the president wants to declassify. Therefore, it's not classified anymore. But that's a technicality. Are there things that a former president has that they shouldn't that should be of national security concerns we don't know that from what's been released but of course the potential of that happening should concern everyone you are listening to did you hear this we do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines
1: 21-time Grand Slam champion Novak Djokovic withdrew from the U.S. Open due to his vaccine status and U.S. COVID-19 travel restrictions. In an interview with CBS, he explained his reasoning.
0: Because the principles of uh, decision-making on my body are more important than any title.
1: Should the United States lift the restrictions for non-U.S.
0: citizens? Yes, they absolutely should. We talked about this earlier today, and I mean this so sincerely. If you are coming to this country to work, if you're a visa holder and you're an essential worker, or if you're a professional athlete with a passport, you're not allowed into this country without the proper vaccination status. And yet, in Arizona, in Texas, in Southern California, the border is completely open. People are coming across every day, and there is no such vaccination requirement. So if you're going to force people doing it legally to have a vaccination status, this guy's got the potential of losing huge money. Your athletic window closes every single year. The older you get, the less viable you become as an athlete. That's just... The nature of the beast. He should be able to work his trade and ply his craft here in the States. And we should be able to do it, especially if you're going to let people in, stay in this country without such a requirement. What's good for one should be good for the other.
1: A few days ago, NASA released audio from a black hole galaxy cluster called Perseus. Here's what it sounds like. Adjectives? would you use to describe the sound?
0: Well, it was really strange when you said that because I had a dog named Perseus. He was a Great Dane, and he sounded nothing like that. Um, that's very strange. I, 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 what a black hole sounds like. It's just weird. It, and I, I'm not a Star Trek guy. Don't, don't kill me. I've never seen an episode of Star Trek, so I'm not a sci-fi guy. But that is interesting. I, th- I want to know what a black hole looks like, how what they can do, but I've never thought about it, it would make a sound. That's pretty cool. Perseus, the black hole. That's what we should have called that Great Dane. He ate a lot. He was Perseus, the black hole for sure. Um, Coming up in a few moments, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this affidavit. And uh, I'm reading through what the – I'm only getting through the parts of what the reasons are that gave them probable cause. I'm in the probable cause part of this affidavit. But it's an ongoing investigation. We're going to learn more about this and find out was this a justified search or was this a politicized search. That's what the concern is for a lot of people. We'll talk about that In what is described as being heavily redacted, and I would agree with that, it is a heavily redacted document. I've printed out looking through some of them and asking people questions of what is normal and and what is happening. So the United States National Archives and Records Administration, um, this is laid out in many, uh, in in much of this. Pages 9 through 16 of this are completely redacted. I mean, with maybe one or two words maybe visible on the page. So they are of absolutely no use to anybody that wants to see it, but then it gets very interesting. And there are some things in here that I think are uh, are interesting enough for us to to look into what was said by the, by the President of the United States um, and what was said about him. Um, I'm trying to find one of the pages. Um, I don't know how I've misplaced it, but page 16 was one where they talked about NDI, documents marked NDI, which is National Defense Information. Um, they are saying, in, in, and I'm going to sum up a little bit, the summation is that this FBI agent or from the Washington field office The people that wrote this and asking for a warrant and asking for the ability to search are saying that they have a reason – reasonable – it's a reason – there's reasonable evidence to conclude that they would find evidence – of criminal behavior or sensitive documents and things of that nature, that um, there were documents that were transported from the White House that were taken to the uh, to the Mar-a-Lago residence. The Mar-a-Lago residence does not have a secure facility where documents of this nature should be uh, c- can be kept safely. So and this is where in my when I talk about this, I say to you, I don't know how much of this is actual um, Actually, something that is dangerous, or if it is something where uh, where people um, are just saying things because it's it, it's embellishing the truth. But when you start hearing things about national defense um, information and documents that nobody should have their hands on, um, should they be in an unsecured location? What's the answer to that problem? And there are a couple of things that I would ask, and I, I don't know the answer to this. I've been reaching out to people all day long, and I can't get an answer, so I don't know what the answer is. Are there documents that presidents will continue to have rights to see after they're a president? And if there is a secure location, is this about them not being in a secure location? Or is this about the president not? having any business having them. I think those are two very good questions because that would tell the story as to um, where people stand on this. And I just want – I want the truth like everybody else does. Are they saying that the president of the United States should no longer have had access to these documents or are they saying that the former president of the United States should not have had those documents in a location that was unsecured and not – suitable for that, that classification of documents to be. The idea, and I, I, the idea that this president was going to sell secrets to another country or give—I mean, I don't care how much you hate the president—you got to stop with that nonsense. The president was not giving information to Russia, and I mean that's that's a conspiracy theory that goes too far in my mind. But I also am somebody that believes that the law is the law. I don't—I've used the Hillary Clinton illustration. I don't think that there are things that Hillary Clinton was supposed to have, and she handled them in a manner that was was a way that she should been prosecuted i mean the the former fbi director said that they listed the number of illegalities of what she did and then there was no prosecution but in good – even if there's no prosecution of Donald Trump, if I say in my heart of hearts that Hillary Clinton was, uh, was careless with sensitive documents when she was secretary of state and after, and I think it was the wrong thing to do, then I'm going to have to say that with intellectual honesty if it comes out the same way about the former president. Now, the difference being that the president had it at his facility at his home, whether or not it was a classified uh, location, and this is, again, with my my very amateur knowledge of this – when you have a room, these classified documents are kept, in. it's called a skiff. The problem is that somebody with a top-level clearance, you don't even go into a room like that and read everything. That's what I'm saying. It isn't a free-for-all. It's not a library. It's not like, hey, you know, I've got nothing going on today. I'm all caught up with my cases. I've got a top-level clearance. Let's go into the SCIF and read up on some of the top circuit documents that are in that room. It's not a library. You read documents that pertain to you only. You don't record them. You don't take them out of the room. You don't take pictures. You don't do any of that. It's illegal to do that. So uh, that room must be secure. And in this case, are they saying that the president had documents that fit that description that were not kept in a location that was secured to that level? That would be a concern to me. If that's what's happening, if that's what they're saying in this ongoing investigation, then that would be a concern to me. The president's people... Have pushed back and they have written a letter. Um, it starts off with saying, I write on behalf of President Donald J. Trump regarding the above reference matter. Public trust in the government is low at such time. Adherence to the rules and longstanding policies is essential. President Trump is, a, is the leader of the Republican Party. The Department of Justice as part of the executive branch is under control of president from the opposite party. It is critical that given the dynamic that every effort is made to ensure that actions by the DOJ that much may touch upon former president or his close Associates do not involve politics. That's how it starts. So they talk about the public records in here, the National Archives Administration. President Trump readily and voluntarily agreed to their transfer of NARA. The communications regarding the transfer of boxes to NARA are were friendly, open, and straightforward. President Trump voluntarily ordered that the boxes be provided to NARA. No legal objection was asserted about the transfer. No concerns were raised about the contents of the boxes. It was a voluntary and open process. Unfortunately, the good faith demonstrated by the president was not matched once the boxes arrived at NARA or NARA. Leaks followed, and the, once the GOJ got involved, the leaks continued. Leaks about any investigation are concerning. Leaks about the investigation involved the residents of a former president who is still active on the national political scene are particularly troubling. So it goes on to say some of our actions were because of the, the way you did what you did. And I don't know the answer to this. I think politics is ugly. Um, This is the part of it that I hate. And I've been intellectually honest about my disagreements with the former president in places. Nobody is perfect. I voted for the guy twice. I've got no animosity toward the president whatsoever. I've called him out on a number of occasions. And the reason why I'm defending myself is because I'm not on the air condemning him based on what I see. So, therefore, I'm going to be accused of running political cover. I'm doing none of that. None of us have answers to questions that we need in order to put this in perspective. Nobody knows. What's normal for a president to take with them? Do, are there presidents that have secured locations, and what could, what constitutes a secure location on their own property to keep these documents? How long does a president have access to sensitive documents? Is it only documents that pertain to their presidency, or if it, you know, let's say it's the Iraq War, let's say it's Afghanistan? Would George W. Bush still have a clearance and have access, if necessary, to talk about what's happening now in Iraq or Afghanistan because of his basis of when it all started on his watch? I don't know the answer to any of those questions. Is it strange For the president to do this, because, you know, as well as I do, that there are a lot of times that media stories are made out to be huge stories like this is some anomaly. And then you find out later on it's something that happens all the time. You just never heard about it. And I'll be honest, I don't know. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. And until I have answers, I'm not going to form a strong opinion. I'm not condemning the president, but I'm not exonerating him either. I'm certainly not going to exonerate the DOJ with their ability to play politics with things. That's another issue. The political motivation is certainly there and they've shown themselves to use it on both sides of the political aisle. It's been done. So this is not going away anytime soon. You can read the 55 pages that include the request for a search warrant, the affidavit and request, and then there is a rebuttal letter in there that has been made by the people associated with the president. We're going to dig more into this. I am dry, I am trying like crazy to find someone to come on the air to talk about what is normal for a president to take with them, uh, sensitive documents. Is it normal for a president to have things of this nature or have access to documents of this nature? Is this about the fact that the president had them? Is it because that he had them and where he had them that was the problem? All of these questions need to be answered, and I'm going to try to get those answers. Oh, we got more coming up before we close it out, so stick around. We, our week is almost over. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I figure the best way to put a bow on this week is to talk a little bit about something I talked earlier in the show and that is uh, the cause and effect of a lot of different things and, and uh, what I mean by that. Um, the White House is silent on tax increases on uh, what it might take for loan forgiveness. This loan forgiveness program, whether you agree with tax increases to pay for it or not, shows that the money doesn't just disappear. Someone has to pay it. What you are doing is you are shifting the burden of your debt to someone else. That's not fair, in my opinion. But more than that, I think that whether you agree with that principle or not, um, I will tell you that this is an indication of why I think being someone that is a small government advocate, especially at the federal level, is better for everyone than a big government. It is bloated and wasteful at best. I, I, one of the sad stories I mentioned earlier today, um, thank God for places like this, but it's sad to talk about, is that St. Mary's Food Bank is on track to break their all-time monthly record for people helped. COVID, other things, nope. It's going to be possibly this month, the month of August. Um, I've talked about the efficiency in which they work, all of them, and I, I name a number of them, and there are some that I guess I owe an apology to because just because I exclude some, it doesn't mean that they aren't great organizations. They're just not organizations I'm as familiar with. I'm very familiar with St. Mary's Food Bank, St. Vincent de Paul. I've had a relationship with them for such a long time, a uh, United Food Bank in the East Valley doing phenomenal work for hungry people across that part of Arizona, East Valley and Eastern Arizona, uh, and are a great partner. Um, I've talked about Circle the City that works with medical needs of, of homeless people, which I never really considered. And it's weird. I, I just never thought about it, you know, until I saw it with my own eyes, but Working with those private organizations is – I'm not saying people in the government don't care. It just doesn't work as well. If you and I want to affect real change in our community, if we want to see um, poverty start to go away, if we want to eliminate hunger, if we want to dramatically re- reduce homelessness and make things better for people so they can get back into mainstream housing, then the way to do it is with these private organizations and not through government programs. Government programs may be well-intentioned by some people, but they are largely bloated and not nearly as efficient as private organizations. Private organizations, and then when they start taking government dollars, and at times some of them do, they come with a load of restrictions as well that makes it harder for them to do their jobs. When you look at – and I've used the example of St. Mary's Food Bank. When you look at St. Mary's and they say to you, every dollar you donate buys seven meals. That is an incredibly efficient spending of your money, and it's because of their buying in bulk. It's because of the relationships. It's because of the time they take to make sure they're squeezing every penny out of every dollar. That's not me yelling about how bad the government is. That's me yelling to you about how good these organizations are. So we have a situation that I think is wrong politically, that we are going to shift the debt from one group of Americans to another group of Americans. I don't think that's the right thing to do. If you want to forgive someone's debt, I think that is a very kind thing to do. If you are someone that says, you owe me money, you can't pay it, consider it paid. Debt's gone. Um, I respect that. I think that is a really nice thing for someone to do. Hey, forget it. You don't owe me that money. And listen, how many times, how many times in your life have your kids borrowed money from you? How many times? And you just say, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Get it to me when you can. Forget about it. Whatever. But if you shifted it from one kid to another, that's where the problem is. You can't say, you know what? You borrowed money. Now you can't pay it back. That's all right. Your sister has money. She'll pay it. No, that, that's, that's not the way to do business. That's not the way to behave. So I disagree with that in principle. But I also want to be a part of solutions to problems. We are seeing more people in need now than we've seen in a very long time. We can throw the word um, inflation around. We can throw the word recession around. We can throw these phrases around, and it doesn't mean anything to the people that are in need. Homeless population is growing. What are we doing about those problems? And I would say to all of you, instead of looking to the Capitol building, instead of looking, if you live in Phoenix, at where the uh, Phoenix City Council resides, instead of looking at our federal government, why don't we look at? these organizations that are already doing the work they already know the people and they are already making great strides in helping those people that's why I say to people when you're looking to do something I consider it a privilege to be able to give do your homework with these organizations and find a good one and put your resources there. There are a lot of people. I, I've talked about how efficient it was. We did two of our action alliance events. Um, well, I've done three. I've done one, one at St. Vincent de Paul. I've been to St. Mary's. We've been to United Food Bank. They have streamlined the volunteer process where you just show up and you do your job. You feel be, not, you just, not that you feel like you've accomplished something or you've done some good. You have done some good. They make it easy to do that, make it efficient for you to be helpful. There are a lot of, people right now that can't volunteer or cannot donate money. But there are a lot of people that are still willing to donate time. These organizations are as efficient with your time as they are with your dollars. So now is the time that if you want to see a difference made, go in and go look into these places. Go look into St. Mary's Food Bank. They're helping more people this month than any month ever before. They're probably going to set a record. That should say something about where we are in our economy. So why, why aren't we then getting involved with the organizations that are actually making an impact? St. Mary's Food Bank. St. Vincent de Paul, United Food Bank, um, Circle the City, whatever it is, find an organization that you know, based on not just my words, but by your own research, is doing the most efficient um, job of fixing an area that is necessary, curing homelessness, curing hunger, uh, you know, addiction, helping people with addictions, helping people get to job interviews, all of these things that they do such a wonderful job. So yeah, we're going to continue to talk about the economy. I'm going to continue to voice my opinion how we're going in the wrong direction and that we need to right the ship and we need to stop taxing one group of Americans because the other group of Americans are hurting. We've got to start figuring out other solutions. But in the end, we still have a responsibility responsibility and ability to help right in our community all right i'm off the soapbox i'm done for the weekend we'll be back on monday if you're a social media user at broomhead ktar is where you find me on twitter mike broomhead all one word is where you find me on instagram would love to keep in touch all weekend long until monday i'll be back then enjoy your weekend i'll be back on monday god bless